Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wrestling Daft presents The Daft Sheets. comes to podcasts, Wrestling Daft and the Daft Sheet are right up there. Oh, I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in, but the cream rises to the top. Oh yeah, Daft Sheet Daftness, yeah. Has got more to offer than those other podcasts think that I got, yeah. And let me tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Daft Sheet in a week where Scotland gets six points out of six in the FIPA. Let me say it, yeah, let me say it out loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Podcast Federation. The Daft Sheet is not happy with your decision, yeah. The Daft Sheet is the cream in the World Wrestling Podcast Federation. And there's no doubt about it, yeah. You, Mean Gene, you know that we are the cream of the crop. Welcome to the Daft Sheet, fellas. I am joined this week by Lewis McNaughton. Lewis, how's it going? Good, good. Feeling a lot better than Erlen Haaland is. Good stuff, good stuff. That's what we like to hear. The Norwegians getting a booting straight off the bat. Uh, and uh, also joined this week by Andy Ross, an actual proper sports journalist. How are you, Andy? I'm very well, mate. Thanks very much for having us on. No problem at all. Well, you guys have joined me on the daft sheet for episode four, which I'm surprised we get past episode one. Uh, in fact, I'm actually surprised we get past the pilot. Uh, but by for all intents and purposes, we seem to be going down quite well. Uh, I think uh, going by what uh, John's told me so far, uh, we've managed to get over 2,000 uh, listens so far. So I'm I'm happy enough with that. You know, I've been putting out wrestling podcasts myself uh, for the last sort of five years, and I don't think I've hit 1,000 combined listens over that period of time. So, uh, you know, it's it's good to be piggybacking off the success of others uh, to, to get those numbers. So thank you to everyone who's listened so far. Uh and hopefully Lewis and Andy are going to keep the listenership uh, up there in the, the, the quadruple digits uh, as they attempt to fill this week's daft sheet. Uh, so, guys, before we get, get kicking off, uh, I always like to do a wee icebreaker to see, you know, where, where your minds are at. Uh, so, this week in wrestling, CM Punk has come back and he has had a few not-so-nice things to say about the Young Bucks and, and Adam Page, as to be expected. So, I put it to you guys, what is the worst thing that you have either said yourself or heard a colleague say about another colleague at your work? I'll come to you first, Lewis. I'd have to say, um, in a few years ago when I had another job, I'll no name which one it is, uh, <laughs> but um, it, was a, it was a sales job pretty much, and one of the uh, colleagues said to the other colleague, he said, you would sell a lot more things if your breath didn't reek straight in front of a customer and the worst thing about that is saying that to someone is they really want to come back but they don't want to open their mouth there's no way of that's it. <laughs> there's no way of returning that it's a catch 22 catch 22 100 so i'd say that's there's nothing worse than that 100 maybe andy can that. beat me but i absolutely can't beat that by the way because chris messaged me about four minutes before coming on <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing about the podcast world is some of it's actually scripted quite a bit. and I realised that oh, uh, prior to coming on tonight, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm breaking kayfabe here. But yep. they, they, no, I, I, on an honest, like, I don't have a really good example, to be honest with you. But the one thing that springs to my mind is I passed my driving test after about 89 lessons. I was fucking hopeless, honestly. Like, it's <laughs> so, so bad. Uh, you know how you you have to be driven back by your driving instructor from your test, regardless Aye. whether you pass or fail? When I had passed, he actually said, Andy, I think in a couple of years you might be a competent driver. It was the least, <laughs> but, uh, it was the least fulfilling compliment you could possibly ever get. And I, I think that that... I still think back to that 
quite often. And that was what about 18, 19 years ago. That was a, a really cutting jibe that uh, he got away with. After taking 89 lessons worth of 25 quid or whatever it was at the time. So I uh, I, I thought that was quite harsh after after what was actually a, a monumental moment for me. I know. I mean, those those kind of things, those are the things that stick with you. I remember the, when I used to work in a call centre in Glasgow, uh, someone kept filling the the gents the, the the bathroom in the stalls, kept filling the toilets with toilet roll, and then shitting on top of the toilet roll and not flushing it. <laughs> and I, I was the one that discovered it. And there was a uh, the the nickname that came out about it was the Bog Roll Bandit, and the the Bog Roll Bandit was this elusive figure, uh, cutting about uh, St Vincent Street. Uh, and because no one could find who it was, and because I had found it and coined the term. It got levelled at me that I was the bog roll bandit, uh, which I did not take too kindly to. And I still don't know to this day who it was, but but for anyone that, that worked at Fee uh, on St Vincent Street about 10, 12 years ago, it wasn't me. It was not me. I was not the bog roll bandit. Uh, but anyway, uh, shite stories aside, uh, we will crack on with trying to fill the daft sheet. Uh, and we're going to do so by going for the front page first. So, Lewis, what has been the biggest news story of the week for you to to adorn the front page of the daft sheet. Uh, I'd love to say it's going to be the the latest twist in the bloodline drama. Um, the thing is with the bloodline, it's this only wrestling story I think there's ever been with fifteen different twists and swerves <laughs> that's kept everyone interested. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, the only problem with it is, is I don't know how they're going to top it in the future. This has gone on for so long and there's been so much interest in it that they're going to have a hard task following it. But basically, what I'm wanting to talk about is, obviously, if you watch SmackDown, you would have seen the promo between Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, uh, Jimmy Uso, Jey Uso, and obviously Solo standing there. Um, and throughout it, it was obviously Roman coming out, giving his whole, his whole spiel like he always does, head of the table stuff. And the other side of the ring was Jay. And the whole thing was basically trying to manipulate and gaslight Jay or so into thinking that Jimmy was a bad guy, he was a good guy. Pretty much, I listened to last week's episode and it's very similar to what um, was being said about Sammy to Jay, that mm-hmm. he's just trying to manipulate him, try and break him up like he did to him and Kale. And um, he basically had he had me hook-ling and sinkered anyway. Um I fully thought this was even watching wrestling for twenty years or whatever. I thought that the acting in this freaking cafe uh, was tremendous from Jay. So he really had me feeling like um, he was going to be turning on Jimmy. And at the very last second, it was the quickest quickest turnaround since Kenny McLean's goal in Oslo. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, he had us right until the last second and. I genuinely could say that most of the audience was probably didn't see it coming at all. Was completely shocked by it, and I, I don't know if they're going to top that. We'll see in London how it how it goes, and then I'll go from there. No, how, good, an, how good is Reigns in that whole scenario, though? Like that is is masterfully sold, especially the second the super double kick. super kick. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's death by super kick, isn't it? Like it's oh, it's incredible he's, one of the, he's so underrated that's selling so underrated uh, it's, it's because we don't see him do it that much as well you know because he's been such a dominant champion you don't really see him as vulnerable as, as what he was uh, and you know the the whole the whole drama of it you know we, we've spoken for the last couple of weeks on on the daft sheet about the, how, how compelling uh, this uh, bloodline story's been you know just when you think it's dipping they, they pull something out of the bag to to, to rise it again uh, and the the, the Last week's episode of SmackDown just confirmed how strong a storyline it is, how invested the fans are, and not not just you know with the the, the turn itself happening, but as you said, Lewis, the, the acting, the, the 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 whole soap opera of it, it was just so so well done, uh, and it's you know it's obviously leading to what they're calling bloodline civil war at Money in the Bank in a, in a couple of weeks' time. How how do you see that playing out? Do you think it's going to be another? Well, I mean they they have already said that it's 
going to be another pay-per-view where Roman isn't defending the belt. So we're going to have the, the Usos against uh, against Reigns and Solo. But do you, do you think there's potential for Solo to then turn in Reigns at the end of this match? How how do you see that playing out? Well, it's one of them where it's not they're not on the same side. So you can't think about just somehow Reigns is going to win. It's it's family versus family here, and it's it genuinely is if if I was to put a bet on it, um, I'd probably lose my money. Either way, I'd have no idea. <laughs> no idea. I'll be staying away from Skybet or Paddy Power's betting for this one. Um, but there's no... Again, I'm, I'm stumped with it. To be fair, um, I think they're going to play out a little bit more with the solo um, solo and Reigns sort of tension there. Yeah, I think there's mm-hmm. a few more weeks they can do with that. Maybe pull it out until SummerSlam. Um, where maybe Jimmy or Jay will get a shot of the belt um, and then maybe moving towards... Um, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, WrestleMania is maybe when you'll start to see Solo really think he's better off on his own than with, with Reigns and Heyman. Cool, cool. And Andy, uh, obviously, you know, Reigns been champion for over well over a thousand days now. Uh, do you see him being dethroned by any of his, his brethren and, and cousins here? Or do you think that there's someone else in the background that they could possibly be building up? To, to take it off him? It's, it's, a, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think that SummerSlam has almost been brought up a level in recent years, especially with the pandemic and it being one of the first major shows back with a, a crowd that it, that almost kind of has elevated status. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do at SummerSlam, but I, I think that the story isn't finished, is it? So I think no. they'll come round <laughs> to 2024 and Mania and it's maybe the, the end of Cody's journey and retribution on, on Roman Reigns. But I, I think that I, th- I think that it's so difficult, the fact that this has played out on a, a Smackdown episode a couple of weeks before a pay-per-view as well because you've got the situation where it's got so much traction and so much momentum right now that you're, you're desperate for the next episode. It's like watching Your Honour just now or watching Succession. It's, like, it's so compelling. It's so, so interesting. And the only fear is that with time, that heat dies down and, and it fizzles out. But to go for over a thousand days and still keep up this this intrigue and this level of interest is it's like nothing I've seen in so many years. It's it's, it's been so well put together, you know, the fact that it's been so consistent over those thousand days uh, that you know whenever it does come to an end, whenever you know the 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 blood stops pumping through the bloodline or whenever uh, Roman does drop the titles. It's going to be hard for them to sort of. I think it's going to be quite hard for them to reset and take it in whatever direction it goes. Uh, but it'll be very, very interesting to see them do it. Now that is a, a solid start there from you, Lewis. But Andy, can you find a better story from the week uh, than uh, the, the the bloodline uh, discombobulating uh, yet again? I'm I'm not 100 sure it's a better story, but the return of CM Punk was obviously box office and. Even through the whole ESPN interview on the Friday into Collision on the Saturday was just magnificent. The guy is, the guy's just so big time, isn't he? Like the reaction from the crowd. Chicago was obviously a huge help for him, but it it just feels massive when he's walking out. The boots around his neck and everything else. I just, I just thought. Absolutely fucking brilliant! I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really would have liked to see a kind of an individual match rather than the kind of three man tag. But you know what? Like, it's so exciting that someone that's got tickets for Wembley that is now back and he Touchwood doesn't pick up any injuries or anything like that, but. There's so many grudges and there's so many real life kind of scenarios 
ongoing just now. It just makes him, it just makes him a must see. Like I think he's always been a must see, mm-hmm. but it's that kind of enigma status that he's got is just yeah, it's very very compelling. I'm I'm very excited to see where they take it. It's it's similar to the the, the way the bloodline's gone. Obviously, the bloodline, you know, it's been one solid storyline with all the the offshoots from it. Whereas Punk coming back with all the the situations, with all the ramifications, all the shenanigans that have been going on backstage at AEW, there's so many threads that can shoot off from here. You know, the Punk uh, and his uh, and his epic promo that he delivered. You know, he addressed the Bucks. He addressed uh, Hangman and his ESPN stuff. Uh, he spoke. He kind of threw MJF's uh, last promo back at MJF when MJF was saying, you know, about how he had the best dog collar match ever. Punk's like, ah, you had the best one, but I won it. You know, so there's so many offshoots from uh, from just him coming back into the, the company. And the way that he did it the other night there was, was sublime. You know, as you said, Andy, with the, with the boots around his neck, I thought he was going to reference Danhausen, you know, because the, the whole thing after the... And just, like when he went into the the all out uh, press conference, he was saying that it was actually Dan Housen's boots that he was wearing, because uh, uh, for whatever reason, because of the foot surgery, they couldn't find ones that fit him. So I thought there was going to be a, a, a nod to that. But um, coming out with the, the red bag and everything like that as well, with the with the old title in it, it's just it's so exciting to see him back. And you know there was there was a great level of cockiness in him as well. You know, obviously he's come back in Chicago. Uh, so he's always going to get the, the, the hero's welcome. But do you think, Andy, that's actually the start of a massive heel turn for them? I, I think that would be the natural step because I think that out with Chicago, there's going to be a, a very divisive reaction to mm-hmm. him. Uh, I also think it's worth noting how different Collision looks to Dynamite as well. It looks yeah. like two completely separate entities, doesn't it? As I think they needed to do that because with Rampage, Rampage just looked like dynamite. You know, there was no there was no aesthetic difference to it. Uh, but it's, Collision does seem to be very much its own its own show. And uh, I think in in terms of uh, the, the the presentation of it, it went over well. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Lewis, but did you find that uh, the it was a bit. I almost found it a bit jarring that we didn't have Excalibur or Tony Schiavone on uh, on commentary with it. I don't. I don't. You, you'd think they'd go all sort of all out, as you want to say, with uh, with the presentation and everything. However, I think everything else made up for it. I think the as you were saying with Rampage, it was um, it was basically diet diet dynamite. As what I could mm-hmm. say, it was just let's get the rest of the people on, let's fill um fill some more matches, keep everyone happy. But it seems as though they're going in a new direction and actually trying to uh, better the product by uh, obviously adding collision to their to their weekly schedule. Yeah, and <laughs> even with the, the the entrance to you know having having Elton John on there Saturday night, it's all right for fighting, and the 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 graphics in the intro being very very punk heavy. Uh, in parts as well. Do you think, Andy, that it's right that Punk's getting his, pretty much his, his own show and getting carte blanche on there? Or do you think that as, you know, by, by coming back in, obviously he's got the, he's, he's beef with, uh, with Elite and Kenny Omega and everyone, but do you think that Tony Khan has maybe been a wee bit soft in, you know, allowing Punk to have his own show as opposed to, you know, trying to, trying to keep everybody happy? I, th- I think it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because you need to... You, you've got to kind of realise the magnitude of the the persona and having him on the show is... Like, to lose him would have been a travesty. And I don't think eight or nine months ago we would have foreseen a way that it could have existed within the company. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know whether there was an obvious way back to WWE, for example, like, if that would have happened, and I still think it might happen further down the line, but he's a stubborn, stubborn prick, isn't he? So like, he's not exactly going to just let bygones be bygones. I, th- I think that having him as the focal point of a show makes perfect sense because he is a draw. Mm-hmm. Although if you if you believe that kind of wrestling tickets dot com Twitter page, maybe he's not as much of a draw out with Chicago as he is elsewhere. But the same uh, thing is though, like I've. I've... 
I've seen those ticket sites and, and what they'll get reported as well. But I think, you know, like anybody, anywhere, if something's happening on a Saturday night, there's going to be a lot of walk-ups to it. You know, the wrestling, go, wrestling comes and goes in all the American states fairly regularly, but it's mainly, you know, on a, a, a Sunday night or a, a midweek night, that kind of thing. I reckon, I, I don't think there'll be any issue with, you know, come the, the days of the shows with people turning up. Because they'll know that they've got until the, the Saturday afternoon, basically, to get the tickets so they can plan their weekend around it. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. What I think might be the issue, though, with Collision in general, is how well they build the, the shows. You know, is Punk going to be on Collision every week? Because there's already talk of him being in Dynamite this week and the Elite not being there. Does that mean he's not going to be in Collision next week? Or that That's automatically, for me, just overkill in terms of let's make it once a week, let's make it a... Uh... A novelty of that show uh, have their own kind of separate rosters and don't have the two worlds colliding despite the fact they're the same company. Yeah, I, I think though it might only just be because it's in Chicago again that they, that they need to have Punk on, on Dynamite because of that but it's certainly, you know, having another two hours of wrestling that has, even the the way that the, the matches were kind of paced and, and laid out in Collision it felt like a completely different show to, to Dynamite as well um, so I, I'm I'm hopeful for that. I'm hopeful for that to be a success. You know, I, I enjoy. I, I'm I'm much bigger all elite wrestling watcher than I am WWE at the moment. Have been for you know maybe a year or so now. Uh, but I'm just hoping that the the hype that that Punk can bring to it. Uh, I hope that's maintained. I mean, in terms of you know the 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 storylines that are, are going to come out from from Punk returning. Uh, do you think we're going to see more trio stuff with, with CMFTR or as uh, I think it was maybe Ian, Ian Drew Dice Clay on Twitter, uh, he said that uh, it looks like uh, Cum Fatter, the, the t-shirt that they brought out. Uh, it look, you know, you sometimes get those ones that get the, the vowels missing. Uh, CMFTR looks like Cum Fatter and I can't unsee it now. And probably if you're listening and you, you recognise that, you won't unsee it anymore either. But do you think we are going to see, until Punk's maybe up to fully fitness, he's going to be in trios and tag matches? Or do you think we're going to get some singles action from him uh, fairly quickly? Yeah, well, I definitely think that's going to stay um, until uh, the London show anyway, until the Wembley show. Um, I don't... I know it's CM Punk, however, I don't necessarily think he's fully going to be able to put in a performance uh, worthy of maybe a main event in front of 60,000, 70,000 people within the space of three months, two months' time. Um, so I think with him being the headline, if they are going to make him the headline of uh, the Wembley show, it's going to have to be um, in the in the trio's match with FTR or whoever they're going to uh, pair him with against probably, um, probably the elite or you never know what Tony Khan's going to do. He could throw a complete curveball in there at some point in the next three months. He certainly could, and I'm I'm all here ready and waiting to to miss catching those curveballs or catching them or whatever that is you do a curveball. Baseball references are not my strong point. But for the front page, I think Andy, I'm going to give it to you. You know, as as much as the the bloodline storylines have been compelling, I don't think there was a bigger story this week than the uh, the long awaited comeback of CM Punk. So the headline that you are going to be taking that front page with, Andy, is Punk rocks on AEW the term. Uh, so we'll move from the front page to the back page, a page that you're very familiar with, Andy, being a sports journal and everything. Uh, so I'll cut no, to you. I never ever get that far, man. But uh, <laughs> you know that better than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, I mean, you do you do all the pages in the or the majority of the pages in the the Marvel FC program. So you know the the back's probably in there somewhere uh, on that. <laughs> Uh, but we'll come to you first on uh, this one, Andy. What would you say is the the biggest action uh, that you've seen this week to go on the back page of the daft sheet? I very much enjoyed the tag team turmoil uh, five way match on SmackDown on Friday night. Uh, Sheamus is dirty barges or his dirty knocks or whatever they calls it. Um, <laughs> the beats of the Bodvin, I think it is. Yeah, but- uh, he's just been absolutely on fire for about a year now, hasn't he? He's grown 
such popularity is, is kind of someone that perhaps has been under-respected for so many years and now is, mm-hmm. is really getting his place. Uh, that was brilliant. And even the kind of way that uh, Pretty Deadly stole the win as well, uh, very opportunistic. Bit of a kind of blow that it's not going to be on the pay-per-view because the, the tag titles have been kind of elevated in, in recent times and I think it deserves a place on the pay-per-view, but there's obviously just time constraints in place there. But... Uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very good. Uh, both uh, the Brawling Brutes, very, very, very impressive in the, the match. Uh, good 25-minute opener to to start a show rather than the kind of tried and tested promo and very rigid structure that, that used to exist. Uh, a very nice change-up and a very welcome one as well. In terms of, uh, in terms of the two... Sorry, Chris. Um... Just in terms of the two two people they chose out of the Braun Brutes, um, do you think they must have something for Seamus and uh, Riddick Moss, especially, uh, sorry, uh, Rich Holland, um, in the future? Because Butch was standing um, two weeks from his biggest match of his career on the sideline. Uh, but he, he's in the money in the bank as well, so it would have made no sense to have him kind of involved in two. And I suppose in, in terms of spoilers and, and such like as well, if, if he was to, you wouldn't expect him to win the tag titles. Not that I think that actually the tag titles will change hands in a couple of weeks' time, but I think that it would have been just very, very obvious if, if Pete Dunne had been involved in it. Or Butch, sorry. <laughs> Is it is, is it still Butch? Like it's been a wee while since I've watched SmackDown, so uh, like I'd, I'd heard rumours that he was going back to being Pete Dunne, but is he is he is he still very much Butch? Yeah, is he a cool cool. I'd say so. And, I'd say so. You, you mentioned there uh, as well about uh, about Ridge Holland being part of the that, that team there as well. Obviously, he had a quite horrific knee injury uh, not not so long ago. How has he sort of? How, how has he performed, basically, as part of the this Brawling Brutes team? Is, is he is he still looking a bit green, or has he come into his own uh, under the tutelage of Seamus? I think that uh, Seamus takes the lead very much. Uh, he got a hot tag and a few German suplexes and looked, looked very good for that stage. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that even though... And most of us all have all seen Pete Dunne fairly regularly on the independent scene, but I think that Seamus is just in the form of his life right now. He is completely carrying that stable. Mm. There's a lot of talent within it, but uh, the linchpin is, is definitely Seamus. Cool, cool. And uh, with the other tag teams that were involved in that, uh, again, only saw brief bits of it, but you, you mentioned how Pretty Deadly picked up the win. Uh, they have been... Know, highly kind of sought after, or highly kind of commended uh, from their time in NXT UK, then over into proper NXT, and now they're, they're up in the main roster there. Uh, and you also had uh, Hit Row involved briefly uh, in that match as well. Uh, do you think that with the, the tag team division being so heavily rotated amongst the, the Usos and then obviously Kevin and Sammy being the champions as well. What do the, the lesser teams, the likes of your uh, Pretty Deadlies, your, your Hiddles, what do they need to be doing to be getting elevated uh, to being seen as proper threats instead of getting squashed in four seconds? I'd say stop pissing people off backstage. Um, <laughs> first of all, would work. Um other than that, you've just got tag teams. I feel like you've just got tag teams who are head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, obviously, you've got your KO, Sammy, Usos, uh, some of the best tag teams there's been in the last 10, 20. And the fact that Usos have last however many years wrestling's been going on. Um, I think it's as much of the way they're getting booked as it is what they can do because they can only do what they've got with the time they've got. So I feel like mm-hmm. Pretty Deadly, uh, they... <laughs> They've come quite a long way in quite a short amount of time. You probably still see that 
clip coming up of that first dates thing where the the girl tries to climb out of the window with the date with the guy, and that's actually one of the members of Pretty Deadly that was on <laughs> it was on Channel Four, I think. Uh, keeps coming up on my Facebook. Um, so that's even from three four years ago. You can see uh, how much they're sort of the trajectory of their careers. Um, and with them, they do a lot on social media, don't they? They 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 bank on themselves as well. Um, as well as that, obviously you've got your other tag teams uh, such as the Brawling Brutes. They can only do so much. Obviously, Sheamus has had his time. However, there's definitely still putting on matches with, with whatever time you've got, whether you've got 10 seconds, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's just getting, getting that sort of catalogue of matches out that Triple H, Vince, whoever it is, can't say no to you getting up the card and into these high-profile matches. Cool. Well, that's a, a, a good uh, gambit for the, the back page there, uh, the, the, the tag team gauntlet. I've heard high praise for it. So uh, is there anything that you can think of, Lewis, from the last week in wrestling, any matches that you think uh, are more deserving of that back page? There's been so many so many shows this week, especially with Collision and everything that's happening, that I almost forgot that Adam Cole versus MJF was still this week in wrestling. Um, yep. I was firstly going to go with uh, Andrade and Murphy, um, or Matthews, sorry. Um, sorry, Dashif went, I called them the wrong name anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> when she was announced them. So. I'm, I'm not getting paid to do it, though. Um, <laughs> however, it's got to be MJF and Adam Cole. Uh, the matches that MJF puts on when he does is the closest to a full five-star resume that I've ever seen with a wrestler, I think. Um, yep. It's sometimes undershadowed the fact of how good he is on the mic that uh, you can almost say, well, he's not as good in the ring. Maybe he isn't as good in the ring, but he's still pretty fucking good in the ring. Um, he's It was a five-star match against... Uh, as Brian, um, and this one could have even been up upwards of four and a half, five. I don't know what Meltzer gave it, but um, I would have certainly gave it at least four and a half. Uh, some of the, just the way he moves around the ring slowly, but then he'll burst into it with a few high uh, impact, quick moves. Uh, he'll be talking the whole way through the match. And especially when he went over little moments, when he smacked the glasses off that, uh, guy sitting ringside, yeah, <laughs> uh, or not even ringside. He was he thought he was safe. He was halfway up the crowd, and MBF still found him and knocked his specs off. Um, just the the whole match, the the kickouts, the the high impact moves, the drama, the the commentary of it, everything, um, including the finish that couldn't have been timed any more perfectly. Um, the finish, the finish was Adam Cole, yeah. yeah. It just it, it was one of those ones because. They, they did it a lot at the beginning in AEW where they were very kind of on the nose with, you know, this has got a 30-minute time limit and you would get the countdowns, you know, you'd get 10 minutes of gone, 10 minutes yeah. remaining, that kind of thing. But they, they didn't have that during this match. I think there was maybe only once that Justin Roberts said they were like halfway through or something like that. So it's not constantly in your mind, oh, this has got, this has got a time limit on it. Uh, and the way that they've done, the way that, that it all played out because you could even see it even felt at times where they were stalling a little bit. Uh, you know, there was uh, when Bryce Demsburg was taking the the the, the diamond ring uh, off MJF. I thought that this is going on a wee bit too long. But then you realise, you know, once the the finish happens, that's that's exactly why they've done it. It was just it was put I together know. so so well. Uh, and I think it was, it was like the ma- the match that Adam Cole needed. And you need to have something of that caliber to bring him back out of the the, the dip that the the Jericho match at, uh, at the last pay per view had. Uh, so, do do you think that they've maybe kind of obviously with Forbidden Door and everything else that's been going on at AW, uh, you can probably see reasons why. But do you think it's maybe been a bit soon for them to kind of hot shot that match between MJF and Adam Cole? I'd say so. I feel as though. Um... That could have even led all the way up until um, the first time them facing off, maybe even being at Wembley. Um, mm. That that match was probably the best match I'd say Adam Cole's had since one of his takeovers against maybe Johnny Gargano. Um, yeah. That long, 
he's been obviously he's had his injuries uh, he's changed companies he's been sort of the the back man of groups like the uh, with the box and everyone um however i think this is that was his real first shot to break out on his own at NAEW and i think they probably should have waited um until a bigger event however in in terms of the match you can't really say give me three months for that match i'd happily see it happen again it's not yeah. a one and done i'd love to see it happen again well i mean even the the after the finish you know where adam cole getting on the mic and saying five more minutes and mjf just being mjf and being like oh fuck <laughs> off i've i've <laughs> He's like, you know, they, 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 they did well explaining it, they, they well explain it in commentary, you know, that MJF didn't have to win that match. He just had to not get beat so that, so exactly. that Adam, Adam calls out the equation. And, and those kind of things, Andy, you know, the, the eliminators, as they call it, NAW, do you, do, do you like that concept of a, a match where you're number one contender before the actual, uh, before the actual title match? Yeah, I do like the setup. I, I think that it maintains the challengers as, as being strong as well or they come off as, as looking strong as they've obviously come up against the champion and not been beaten I, th- I think that the only frustration is that it does feel a bit kind of open-ended it's not drawn to any sort of conclusion with the the time stipulation and they're not being a, a clear winner, but as you say, it's it kind of leans into the heel persona of MJF and the heel champion that he's he's escaped by the skin of his teeth and got the job done by hook or by crook. So yeah, I think it works really well. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cool, cool. Well, I think in this case, I am going to agree with Lewis and give Lewis the, the back page on this, because I thought MGF against Adam Cole was an absolutely outstanding television match. And the headline that we're going to go with on this one is Cole's title match thwarted by Massive Bell End. Uh, so we'll go with that. Well done, Lewis. You get on the back page. Uh, now, we are going to move swiftly on to find out what you guys think has been the most titillating uh, bit of wrestling gossip of the week as we look to fill page three. Uh, Lewis, uh, I'll come to you on this one first. What uh, what has had your ears twitching uh, and your fingers wagging or whatever it is you do when you... I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll wag them. I'll wag them, mate. You wag them. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think should be on page three? Um, I'd say... I don't know if this is a bit of a bias considering I'm going to the event. It would potentially be the the potential of a seventh man in the money in the bank. Um, looking at the field right now, I'd say it's 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 bittersweet in terms of yeah, you want a new winner. Yeah, you want someone who's never been a world champion to potentially get their shot. However, at what point does the star power lack in the match, or what what point does potentially the um, the quality of the match drop due to this? I feel as though the six men in it could definitely put in a show. Um, however, I think getting maybe a seventh man such as Logan Paul, I know I know that's going to be a an interesting take. However, you see every single match he's been in, he's pretty much stole the show and mm. adding adding the ladders to his sort of repertoire you never know what's going to happen with him, he'll try everything um, so I reckon Logan Paul would be a good shout well, um, We're recording this before Monday Night Raw this week uh, cause, uh, because of the Scotland game on Tuesday, I couldn't get anyone to, to do the podcast on Tuesday but uh, Logan Paul is uh, the or the scheduled to be on Raw tonight so there's a very very high chance that it could be him declaring himself for Money in the Bank um, second, second option, obviously, Drew McIntyre. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'd I'd personally go with this purely because he's he's a massive star. That'll get a lot more a lot more noise going about this event. Um, a lot more eyes on it, and probably the biggest pop of the night. Whether he wins it or not is a different story. Whether he pops up at a different part, whether that's Seth Rollins' uh, match as well, um, and you get both of them on the card, uh, it could potentially be a, a route to go. However, I'm just throwing names out here. It could be someone we've not even mentioned and could be quite exciting for the fans out there and everyone at home over the next couple of weeks to see what happens. Andy, if it is Drew that's to be the, the, the seventh man in this match, uh, do you think that the right, the potential wrong of Clash at the Castle last year uh, by not having uh, Drew winning, do you think that uh, you know Wembley is the, the bigger venue for, for him to get that win on British soil? Well, I don't want to correct the host, but Chris, it's at no two arena, so <laughs> it's obviously a smaller venue. But uh, no, to, to, to the wider point, though, I'm not 100% sure. I think that Drew's lost a lot of momentum over the last six months. He obviously did have that tremendous triple threat match at Mania, really hard hitting affair. But I think the the gimmick and everything that went with it got really stale and, and pretty uninterested. I think that there needs to be a bit of a, a change of direction with Drew McIntyre before you can then elevate him up to to an event status again. Whether that happens or not, I'm not 100% sure, but obviously it, it seems like the, the seventh place is filled. There's a wee bit of ambiguity about his, his contract as well and what that will bring, but given that he's been injured, I would imagine that that will run into to 2024. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd, I would love to see him back at the very top, but I, I think that he does need a, a refresh and a change up, perhaps turning heel and becoming that absolute monster again would be to his benefit. But we'll we'll just need to wait and see what happens. I mean, he's the the WrestleMania match was good, but but other than that, there's nothing really memorable since last September that I can think of. We we do. I've got to say as well, I absolutely fucking hate the the sword gimmick and how. <laughs> The kind of American way of stereotyping Scottish folk has has got like just ditch all that shit. We just really need a a completely different side to him where he doesn't have to play this kind of goofy, corny character that, that he currently does. Uh, definitely, the more I think about it, no, it's not the right time. I mean, we're looking at the 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 match itself, the Money in the Bank men's ladder match. Uh. At the moment, we've got Ricochet, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Yadoball, uh, LA Knight, Santos Escobar, Butch and Damien Priest in there. I think the way that social media seems to be going, LA Knight looks to be the favourite uh, for that. Although it's certainly who a lot of people want to win it. But do you think it's missing a wee bit of star power? Are, are those other, you know, are, are the six names that are in there already, are those... You know, is it the signalling of a kind of changing of the guard in terms of these kind of matches, or can you see someone that's a viable threat uh, amongst that that uh, amongst that list? No, I, th- I think it's possibly the most exciting Money the Bank lineup in in many a year because you've not got one guy in there that has been champion before, so it's a it's a massive opportunity for them, and I don't think there's a, a clear and obvious winner that they. The, the odds point to Telly Knight being the, the favourite there, but I, I don't know whether that necessarily means a great deal. The addition of Logan Paul will, will change up the dynamic as well. Yeah, I, th- I think it, first and foremost it'll be an absolutely brilliant match, but the fact that there is so much debate and... Uh, so much uncertainty over who gets the briefcase and then what happens after it as well. I, I think that in recent times it's maybe been a wee bit spoiled by missing out in that massive cash-in moment that and all the, the excitement and drama that goes with it. Um, 
hopefully as someone that holds on to it for a long time and eventually when the time comes though cashes in and on the champ and wins because I think there's nothing more underwhelming than when it goes the other way and the, the money in the bank briefcase holder doesn't win it because yeah it almost kind of spoils the the whole purpose of the pay-per-view you, it to me should be the golden ticket that you you win that sort of like winning the, the rumble really that you expect to rumble winner will then go on and, and win the main event at mania but it doesn't always happen like that uh maybe it would be too predictable if it always happened like that but hopefully on this occasion we are crowning a, a new champion whether that be six months down the line uh a year down the line or whatever but yeah i i think that anyone that, that holds a briefcase is a is a viable challenger just because of the circumstances of the fact that they can really take advantage of the the briefcase and cash in at any time. Well, Shinsuke, Shinsuke's got won it before. Uh, Shinsuke's been champion. Uh, and again, if you put Drew yeah. in, then there's two. Uh, Shinsuke was uh, world champion a few years ago, was he not? He got Wasn't his balls punted by one. Styles every time. <laughs> See, that's, uh, that, that's me taking the, the off the ball uh, into this podcast, being petty and ill-informed. That's what... Uh, <laughs> That's what that is. I'm, I'm sure he was champion, but there you go, there you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, well, that that kind of makes it uh, a bit more a bit more of a level playing field. The fact that, that none of them have had, held the the top title there. Uh, but I mean, you know, e- even with Nakamura, Nakamura is probably the 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 most tenured on the main roster uh, of that six that are there. Do, do you think there is a, a a chance that he could be the the one to take it? I think that. Um... <laughs> I think he is potentially in there for the star power. They don't want to maybe overshadow the fact that uh, the bloodline story could be culminating at this pay-per-view. Um, so maybe let's let's dampen down the money in the bank. Let's not main event it. Let's make sure it's a good match, uh, a proper four or five star match. However, let's not try and make it overshadow the main event. Um, and I feel like if they've got any sense about them, LA Knight's winning that match, and I've I've never quite realised how much you look like LA Knight. Right now, you look like <laughs> you, <laughs> you look like you look like everyone's first attempt at drawing him. No, you know what? I, but, I've been told on yeah. more than one occasion that I look like a bad cartoon character. So, uh, you know, if if I look like a poor drawer, LA Knight will take that all day long. <laughs> So, so yeah, money, money in the bank. The the seventh man. That the the gossip's going to go around that probably for a wee while longer if Logan Paul hasn't declared himself for it by the time that this podcast goes out. Uh, Andy, page three for you. What's been the uh, the the most gossip worthy uh, news story that you've heard this week? Well, I was a huge fan of Kevin Nash's tirade about being owed money and merch uh, by WWE. Um, goes in a absolutely quality rant about it um, referencing Heinz ketchup packages and all sorts of batshit crazy stuff um, so it appears that he's um, owed a, a substantial amount on NWO merchandise so he's properly called them out he's a businessman he deserves what he's entitled to so quite rightfully so but the the promo itself, it's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care if I'm getting 7% of the Heinz ketchup packages that you sell to the ballparks. I want the fucking royalties to what you're selling to fucking Walgreens and Walmarts and everyone else in the big 16-ounce Heinz bottle. I want the bucks. Give me all the Funkos you want. I don't get 17% of the Funkos, so he's clearly not interested in Funkos. But, uh, aye, the man wants his money. <laughs> but But that's the thing, you know... Uh, Nash, I mean, he's obviously made millions during his, his stint in uh, WCW. He's kept his hand in with the, you know, the legends appearances. He's in Magic Mike. You know, he's he's, he's probably getting a lot of residuals, but uh, you know, to in he's he's quite right. He needs to get paid what he's worth for all his merch and stuff like that. And if if that kind of thing is tanking and it's not that that regular monthly income that he's getting, you know, when he's getting his envelopes through the post, then you would be pissed off, wouldn't you? No, of course you would. There's nobody that turns up to their work and um, expects not to be paid for it. So he's just the exact same. He's built up and played such a big part in the NWO and the success of the NWO. 
it's only right that he gets what's richly deserved for that that time in his life and that time in his career, which continues to to resonate with generations and generations of fans. So, I hundred percent, he's completely entitled to be pissed off, and he's got that platform to to vent his anger, and he's done exactly that. Well, that's. I mean, have you seen what they've done with the the NWO merchandise recently? Though, have you seen how they how they've bastardized it by putting the 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 WWF W or the WWE W in the NWO, so that 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 that's basically where the Religious. I think I think some of the the merch money's been cut because they've essentially changed the the IP on it because they've they've put their own thing on it. I mean, I like, I can I can almost get on board with the people that still keep the the hologram stickers on their official WWE T shirts, you know, and try and keep them going for a while, but to actively just like change the change the logo uh, of the, the NWO, it's, it's sacrilege. I mean, it, if anything, it'd be really, really hard to spray paint on anything. 100%. You know, get, get, you know you need to, you, you can't <laughs> just, you know, Hulk Hogan freehand that that uh, that really sharp, the sh- really sharp lines in that W. I don't know if any of you saw the, the really depressing video of Jeff Hardy having to sell, uh, sign rather, oh, so, so many pictures of himself at the airport and the guy just casually throwing them in the ground after he signs every one giving him kind of subtle compliments to continue him signing just one more just one more and he's like what the fuck would a grown man have that many pictures of jeff hardy for if he didn't have any other purpose than to to sell them on it's it's completely taking the piss um and fair play to Jeff Hardy because he did stand there and sign every single one of them without questioning the guy. But it must be demoralising that that someone's using your image and your signature for their own gain. It's, it's completely unfair and it's, it possibly puts these guys off signing at other times, which mean disappointment for kids and stuff like that, which which isn't great, is it? It's, um, it's really poor form and I, I don't know how you, how you regulate that, but... Uh, you can understand why some of the wrestlers that even take any football and stuff like that they just simply walk past because they're so used to being exploited and taken advantage of for who they are. As it's 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 fans wanting the the cake and eating out, just wanting as much as possible for as as little effort as possible. Uh, you know, I in in my my previous guys as a as a local indie wrestler. Uh, you know, on the odd occasion I get asked to sign something. Uh, you know, I always saw it as you know a bit of an honour. The fact that you know some some wee wee guy for East Belfast is wanting some out of shape specky beardy guy to sign a bit of paper. But uh, you know, I know that he's no like trying to punt that on eBay. Uh, it probably cost him more to list it than it would be to to actually <laughs> sell it. Uh, but uh, you know, I can imagine it gets quite tiresome when you're an actual professional whose whose signature is worth quite a bit. So with that in mind, uh, I am gonna give uh, Nash Bash's cash to the mash uh, as the page three headline for that one. So well done, Andy. Right. So we will move on to the final bit of the the paper that we are needing filled this week. Uh, sorry, the, the, the second to last, but I forgot that we'll get dear Dafty's lined up as well. Uh, so uh, we're going to go for the, the TV pages. Uh, so Andy, I'll come to you first. What do you think we should all be watching? And uh, in in something that is wrestling related, but not necessarily wrestling. I think I've got that right this week. I think I have. The one I would like to pitch for the TV pages is Diane Sheik's biographies, uh, WWE Legends biographies that went out on A&E, which I was able to source on my my completely legal and legitimate uh fire stick which has been has been great to actually catch up in some of these documentaries that you see advertised and don't get the opportunity to to watch in the uk uh obviously they've re-ran this following the passing of the iron sheik a couple of weeks ago really really interesting stuff uh what a life the guy had unbelievable and the, the thing is the the character he portrayed at, at times and then even after the the role he had to play at times and at a time of, of such political tension 
and then even when it had died down a bit, he, he then enlists uh, Nikolai Volkov as a, a Russian heel as well. So he, he certainly always had to play a, a character that was going to attract great ire and, and really get very, very close to a really sensitive and, and volatile subject. So the heat he attracted was absolutely incredible and he just seemed to flourish in those scenarios. Then it breaks it down to the fact that he had his addictions. Uh, he wasn't a drinker or a drug taker prior to getting into the wrestling business, but that completely all changed when he did. Um, I'm getting busted uh, with Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the car and the interview Hacksaw about it, uh, the big Aberdeen fan. And they talk about the fact that they were they were feuding at the time and that, and that was like completely destroying that impression that people had in the, a day before the internet and mobile phones and such like that these guys didn't legitimately hate each other so uh, uh, there, was, there was so much to it so really really interesting his, his daughter was was murdered as well and a really kind of tragic impact it had on his life and even I wasn't aware that he had moved to, to WCW for a spell, but by that point it was really the back end of his career. I was laughing at the, the bit about the gimmick battle royal where it, that time he, he was in such bad shape that they had to change the ending of the match for him to win just because he wasn't capable of being thrown over the top rope. And uh, you've got Bobby the Brain Heenan's commentary about how slow he was getting getting down to the ring and everything else, but it's just a really compelling watch. Really, really, really interesting and it uh, wet the appetite to, to get stuck into more of those uh, types of documentaries because the WWE are, are second to none when it comes to putting that sort of thing together. Their, their archive material and their, their access to, to experts and wrestlers of yesteryear and also the current era is obviously extremely vast as well so yeah th th this is a, a must watch um, even if you don't remember the Iron Sheik as, as a wrestler um, you'll you'll quickly catch up and uh, and find it very informative I'm sure um, if you watch the those um, shoot promos that Guerrero loves it always bangs on about um he, him and I can't remember who he was with, but he was just just ordering drugs over the phone in the middle of the interview. Um, he didn't really give two shits towards the end of his career and life, um, which I suppose you could commend him for. Let's consult the old Google machine. Iron Sheik, drugs bust. Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, according to the Bleacher Report, Duggan confessed to the officer they had marijuana in the car, but Duggan didn't know that Iron Sheik had cocaine in his possession as well. Uh, so it's 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 proper. That that's the kind of shit you want to hear about your eighties wrestling legends. That's that's the kind of road stories. I, I don't imagine that Adam Cole and Roddy Strong are getting into those kind of. Uh, those kind of mishaps and, sh and shenanigans on the road, right, Andy? That is a that is a good call for something to watch. I may well look that up myself, unless Lewis has a better recommendation. Uh, I don't know if I can beat uh, Iron Sheik drug bust, but I'll give it a go. Um, something maybe a little bit more lighthearted um, and an easier watch potentially. Um, it's just uh, it's just a, a YouTube channel where uh, it's called Goran Perkins and. Basically, what they do is they're on the WWE 2K games and they create their own, obviously, if anyone knows what universe mode is, they create their own, basically, rosters, they create their own pay-per-views, they create their own weekly shows and they basically go against each other and it's so in-depth that you would almost think they could get jobs at the WWE. It's basically a second go-round of the week. We all complain about Raw. We all complain about SmackDown. Um, not so much SmackDown anymore, but we complain every week. And it's basically a second hit at trying to enjoy your weekly television. Um, they've been doing it for four or five years, and if I'm ever on a plane or whatever, I'll I'll definitely download one of them. It's quite long videos, 30, 40 minutes of them just putting on shows, putting on pay-per-views, and they do commentary over it, everything. And... It's 
like I said, it's a little bit more of a lighter watch. But it's quite compelling stuff. Uh, they get you hooked into it just as much as the, the real stuff would. So I'd definitely suggest that if, if you had uh, absolutely nothing better to do with your life than sit and watch YouTube for two hours. So essentially what you could do with that is you could fire on a Gordon Perkins video at the same time that SmackDown starts and then just pause it when the Bloodline stuff comes on. And then go back, go, back, go back to that. Oh, it seems like a good alternative. It seems like a good alternative. Would you be a big uh, 2K player yourself? Um, I've got 2K22. Um, I've not quite got 2K23 yet. Uh, I only seem to get it when I finish the career mode and I only ever go back to it every maybe three months, get pissed off with get beat by somebody stupid, uh, and then put the, put the Xbox down for about three months. <laughs> uh, so I'd rather watch people who actually knew what they were doing. Um, then they get beat online by guys that would try and count you out. Um knock you down, run round the ring, piss you off, and then rage quit within the end of the game. I feel like I've wasted 15 minutes of my time, but if you watch uh, their games, they know exactly what they're doing, and they put on some amount of content for everyone to watch. It's not quite as heartwarming as Baker Banner, uh, but similar sort of um, humour and everything to Alex Webb that was mentioned a few uh, a few weeks ago on this show. Hi. And it's definitely, definitely a, a channel that's growing and could potentially do even better things in the future. Magic, now that sounds like something to check out. Uh, if I can wrestle YouTube off of my daughter uh, and the <laughs> the the Minecraft and Fortnite uh, playthroughs uh, that she watches, I might give that a bash. Uh, but I think I'm going to side with Andy on this one. I think you know with, uh, with everything that's gone on in the last few weeks with uh, with Iron Cheek, uh, the the uh, biography documentary is going to get my recommendation for what to watch. So we're moving on to the final part of the paper that we need to fill this week, which is the Dear Dafty section that's making a return since the first week of the show. And this week's letter has come in from someone with a bit of a dilemma about the tithing. The letter reads, Dear Dafties, I'm not going to lie, I'm getting on a bit. I've had a great and storied career and I think I'm ready to jack it all in and enjoy retirement. But it's not exactly panning out as I'd hoped. You see, I worked for two companies, one that I became untouchable in and another that gave me some bigger opportunities, especially the older I got. But my last few gigs for them weren't particularly memorable. Or at least, I can't remember them anyway. Since I've mentioned how I want to sail off into the sunset, my former employers have got wobbly feet on the idea of giving me the send-off I want. But if I do it myself with former colleagues that maybe aren't as up to the job as I was, I might end up doing something I regret. So dafties. Would it be better for me to get the corporate package retirement or should I go into business for myself? Yours, Billy G. So, obviously, this is in relation to the story that Goldberg is looking to have a, a retirement match, whether that's through the WWE or uh, on his own means. So, Andy, I'll come to you first. What would your advice be to, to old Billy G here? Well, my advice to Billy G would be it's well within his reach to, to break Flair's title record, to be perfectly honest, because he just turns up the first match, wins in 30 seconds and becomes champ again. So there's, there's plenty of opportunities for Billy G to to continue that legacy. There's there's no need to, to check out just quite yet. Turn up, cripple someone, get the strap and, and continue on. Um, suffer a quick loss, go away for a wee break, sweat lots. But... You recover. He's a resilient character. He is. He'll be back in another six months' time to do it all over again. So, Billy G, there's so much scope for further success here. Ignore the offers of Ryback. Ignore the offers of Israel. WWE is where it's at. By all means, if you want to show up at Wembley, feel free to do so. But focus on these sixteen world titles. That is, that is definitely within your sights. Short, sharp matches, that's what it's all about. Uh, don't overwork yourself and you'll be fine. You'll have a long and prosperous career, a longer and prosperous career. What, what about yourself, Lewis? What, what advice would you give there? Uh, when you first read that out, I wasn't sure if it was Bill Goldberg that was sending this on or Billy Gaddy. Uh, <laughs> but I would presume that some, uh, a Billy Gaddy retirement match would be a lot more interesting than Bill Goldberg. But I'd say... Going into going into business for himself, whether that's a, a Ryback retirement match or a, a double retirement match or whatever, um, I'd say, how many times have we seen a legend fall out in their back? 
in a WWE event, get your pay, fall on your back, put over another person. Right, it's a million times it's happened. However, I don't know how many times we've seen somebody genuinely go out there, business for themselves, injure the opponent, shoot <laughs> straight on them, cripple them with a mic in their hand the whole time. And basically, I think the story should be go through your whole career uh, on the mic, battering them through every single stage. Um, and only put the poor boy out of his misery when your story's finished. Um, and when you think about that, you think, all right, well, he's not going to get any more bookings after that, but controversy creates cash. Vince McMahon would be straight on the phone looking for Goldberg or Ryback back after that. Um, so I feel as though shooting for yourself, going, going out on your own accord would be the best way to do so. Brilliant. Well, Lewis, I think I'm going to give it to you. I think, you know... Uh, for a man who uh, constantly said who's next in his career as he as he went on his massive, massive unbeaten streak, you've got to be the man that go with the man that bets against himself and go out uh, and do it himself. So I, I think uh, you are the, the agony aunt of the week in this case, Lewis. But I think even though you've won the Dear Dafty section, I think it is Andy who has won the overall most amount of stories into this week's daft sheet. Uh, now, Andy has just been kicked out of the beer garden that he was recording in, uh, so he's not here to take the plaudits, but we'll thank him anyway. Uh, and thank you to you as well, Lewis, for all your contributions this evening. Cheers, buddy. No bother. So I'm just going to run back through the headlines that we had. So the front page, uh, we had Andy with Punk Docs on AEW Return. Lewis, you got the back page with a cold title match thwarted by massive bell end uh andy took page three with uh, nash bash's cash to the mash and he also uh got his pick for the tv uh tv uh listings uh with the iron sheet documentary before lewis gave the sterling advice of going on your own to one bill goldberg now lewis has been lewis andy has been andy i've been chris jack Thanks for listening uh, again to the Daft Sheet this week. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon, uh, whatever uh, platform you listen to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Ye- Weezer, Yeezer, whatever that thing's called, uh, if, if you're on that. Uh, I get get signed up on there. Sign up to the Patreon so that you can go become part of the Discord server and you can come in and chat. And if you want, you can maybe come on and be a guest one week. But whatever you do, Enjoy your wrestling, keep it uh, daft and keep it sheety. I've been Chris. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.